Welcome. Welcome. This is another episode of the Carrot Juice Podcast. I am your host, Monte Lee. Um, I hope everybody's had a good holiday, a 4th of July. I know that I did. And um, yeah, I appreciate everybody that's been rocking with me. I'm trying a new platform here today. I'm on Green Room for the first time, just doing a test of the podcast, and I'm going to get a recording of it. However, uh, you can listen to this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts, whether that be uh, any platform you may be on. I also broadcast broadcast this on YouTube as well. Uh, without further ado, we'll get right into the show today. Um, if you haven't already known and it's your first time listening to the Carrot Shoes podcast, do me a favor and lend me a BMW if you listen to this on YouTube. What's a BMW? It's literally if you believe in uh, my work, then like, subscribe, share this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts, and we'll keep it moving from there. First things first, the first episode that we have and the first topic we have in this episode, pardon, we're going to talk about Shikari Richardson and her getting suspended recently due to um, a positive test. And uh, there's been outcry. There's been a lot of people talking about this recently. So I kind of wanted to give my two cents about that. And uh, I'll also drop a link to the article in the show notes of this episode. So without further ado, let's get into it. So this article comes courtesy of the, of MSNBC and the t it's entitled Shikari Richardson's drug test suspension is the end result of racist politics. Now me currently, uh, that's a very, um, jarring title and it's a bit disingenuous but i'll go further and read a little bit more about the article and then uh, we'll go on from there so shikari richardson should have been spending the next month preparing to win the olympic gold medal in the 100 meter dash she had a shot after blazing through the events qualifying race last month in under 11 seconds so instead richardson may not get to run at all in the tokyo Olympics after failing a drug test taken during the Olympic trials in Oregon, but it wasn't a performance enhancer that was in her system. It was marijuana, which she said Friday morning that she used to cope uh, with learning about the death of her biological mother the week before. So that was her reasoning behind, um, uh, what do you call it? That was her reason behind uh, using, which I feel is, uh, weird. I mean, there's other ways in today's day and age to be able to cope with, um, someone with like a death or with something that tragic. And I feel like using marijuana in that instance, uh, I could see if it's for recovery purposes, but there's rules in place for a reason. Uh, for this type of thing and someone taking the time uh, to train all those years, four years to be exact, and then using marijuana is uh, is um, strange. So um, see here, I'm on green room, so I'm trying to figure this out. So if I'll allow you on the stage, just please mute your mic because I'm actually just doing a close in podcast with this. So if I allow you on the stage, just mute your mic. Thank you. Thank you. What is that? Uh, Fayuda. So thank you. Um, anybody else that has requests, you can come onto the stage. 
and uh, get some gems. But um, this podcast is going to last about uh, 40 to 45 minutes. And then um, I may play some music after this as well uh, with the setup. But right now I'm just kind of testing this platform out with my podcast. So shout out to you and thank you for listening. So uh, moving on, we're talking about Shikari Richardson and the drug test she had that's going to prohibit her from performing in the 100 meter dash. And I'm reading the article from MSBC, MSNBC that's talking about this situation. So um, the article goes on to say that now her 10.86 second run is no longer in the official record books. And unless Richardson is named to the American 4x100 relay race team, she'll be staying home entirely thanks to a one-month ban. Wow, I didn't know that. I thought it was a sure bet that she was going to be able to uh, participate in the 4x100-meter relay since she is the fastest woman in the world right now based on her qualifying times. That is a, uh, a breaking revelation right there. So the article goes on to say that it's both heartbreaking and infuriating that this is happening to her, a 21-year-old woman whose unapologetic blackness shines through every inch of her. Instead of competing to be the best in the world, Richardson is the latest black American whose future was put at risk because of arcane and racist drug policies. Okay, so I'm going to interject here. Uh, I am a black man. Uh, I do believe that there have been inequalities in the world, but this is not one of those cases. Shikari knew the rules. If you're an Olympic athlete, you know that you get tested all the time and that there is uh, strict uh, rules that you, things that you can use and things that you can't. To say that it's racist that she's not going to be able to compete in the Olympics due to testing positive for marijuana because she used it to cope with the loss of her mother and condolences to her mother praying for the family. I hope that uh, they find peace in this time, but that's a different subject entirely. Um, you cannot allow somebody to break the rules and then change those rules for them just because it fits a narrative. Um, I wanted to see her compete. I wanted to see her uh, do well, but not at the expense of everybody else who's following the rules and doing the right thing. You can't... Um, always play the race card in situations like this. She just didn't follow the rules and she got caught for it. It's simple as that. Um, and I, and I, what I was saying as well is you cannot make an exception for her in this instance, because think about it like this. Yes, she's just doing running, but what about somebody in a different situation where, um, they're using weapons like in, in the Olympics, there's archery in the Olympics. There's stuff like shot put when they have those super huge, um, balls that are, uh, very heavy where they do, where they turn around in a circle and then they throw it really far. What if they're, uh, using marijuana and they're under the influence of a substance? Um, you can't open that Pandora's box because if you do those other events, you can't, stop them from using something that's going to uh, impair them. So there's a slippery slope there because in that instance, if somebody's competing in an event where they're doing archery or they're doing shot put or something, they could severely injure somebody. And if you allow somebody to do it with one event, they could possibly do it with another. So that's why um, I feel that I think that the world anti 
uh, doping code uh, agency that does the Olympics, they indicated in the article and they stated marijuana and other cannabis products are now considered substances of abuse alongside cocaine, heroin and MDMA. This is a bit of progress compared to the 2019 edition of the code, which still treated weed as a banned substance entirely versus a product that has the potential, the potential to be abused outside of competition. But it mirrors, it says, the place marijuana still holds under federal law as a Schedule One drug. It's treated as just a, as addictive and dangerous as drugs that kill thousands of people that overdose every year. Um, so yes, there's a lot there. This article, like I said, I'm gonna uh, link it in the description of the podcast. Um, but uh, a lot of I've seen a lot of people with outrage due to this incident saying they should change the rules for her. This isn't fair. It's only weed. But it's more about uh, following through with authority and just following the rules. You train for four years to get to this point and you choose to. It was a choice that she made to smoke marijuana. I have nothing against marijuana, but she made that choice and she knew what she was doing in that instance. If you need to cope with the loss of a loved one, if you have uh, something that you're going through, if you're feeling down, there's other modes to deal with that. She could have drank a bottle of wine. She could have talked with someone. She could have went and spoke to a therapist, but she made the choice to smoke that plant and making that choice, unfortunately, is going to cost her the opportunity this time around to participate for her country and win a gold. Okay. So the article goes on to say, uh, despite the federal ban, a growing number of states, including Oregon, where Richardson tested positive, have legalized weed for rec recreational use. The accompanying societal shift has transformed marijuana from being seen as an urban blight to a respectful investment vehicle. Companies that block the hiring of anyone with previous marijuana-related arrests stand to profit hands handsomely as more states join the so-called green rush. So this article goes on to say that white America's growing acceptance and embrace of weed has only highlighted the injustice of the suffering imposed on the black and brown communities of this country for the exact same behavior over the years. Now, I will agree with that. There was a crackdown um, in the eighties with the, uh, the war on drugs and, uh, all of the arrests that have gone on in, in this country, in the United States, that, um, minorities and black people were targeted more so than, uh, white people for the most part, when it comes to, uh, petty drug crimes, uh, and things like that. And some of those things are starting to be corrected. There is some truth there, but, uh, honestly with this uh, article, they're kind of grasping at straws. She made the decision to smoke marijuana. This isn't racial injustice. It, it doesn't matter if you were white, brown, blue, pink, doesn't matter. Anybody that um, breaks the rules when it comes to the Olympics, for sure, has to deal with the consequences uh, in those instances. So, um, yeah, it's unfortunate that she's not going to be able to compete in the 100 meter relay, but she still has a shot to compete and um, what do you call it? She has a shot to compete in uh, the four by 100 relay. So uh, we're gonna take a slight intermission here while I get ready for the next topic. But while you wait, I have a little something for you that's gonna signify and kind of encapsulate this topic. Here you go.
Yes, yes. So we're back. We're back for the next uh, topic. Thank you for listening, everybody that's listening currently and um, wherever you're listening. And like I said before, this is going to be on YouTube, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And I'm currently testing it out on Green Room as well. So the second topic today, we're talking about, if you guys haven't heard about this story, we're talking about the female corrections officer who was jailed recently after having sex with an inmate in view of 11 others. This article is courtesy of the New York Post, and I am going to pull it up here and we are going to discuss this matter. This is very jarring. So. Uh, according to the New York Post, this article was posted on July 2nd, a female California corrections officer with a depraved mind has been jailed for reportedly having sex with an inmate in full view of 11 other jailbirds. The corrections officer in question, Tina Gonzalez, 26, even cut a hole in her uniform pants to make it easier to engage in sexual activity in Fresno County Jail, uh, according to her sentencing hearing, uh, which was this past Tuesday. So her former boss, Assistant Sheriff Steve McComas, told the court that he had witnessed many pretty disgusting things during his 26 years on the job, but nothing is shocking as hearing of Gonzalez's session in full view of uh, sexual session in full view of other inmates. Uh, that is jarring. Like, and if you, I'm going to link this um, article in the description of the show notes of the podcast. And uh, wow, like currently what's going on? Like she, she's an attractive lady. Like, this is like very jarring y'all like I'll link the um the article here too so you guys can look it up as well uh she's a very attractive lady and I just don't understand uh in this day and age why somebody that attractive would have to stoop to that that low to you know engage you know with <laughs> I, I don't know the best way to put it like she's attractive. She doesn't need to, um, go and stoop to, you know, dealing with inmates that's on her job that could lead to, uh, imprisonment and, and lead to her losing her job. So, uh, there has to be something else going on there for an attractive female to do this. So, uh, the article goes on to say, that Gonzalez, who quit after being arrested in May of last year, also supplied the same inmate with razors, a cell phone, and advance warnings when his cell was going to be searched, according to the report. So uh, her, her former boss went on to say that she took an oath which she, which she betrayed and in doing so endangered her co-workers' lives. Yes, that is a good point because when you are doing favors for an inmate, when you're allowing them to get away with nefarious activity, you've pretty much been corrupted in a way where they could use that against you, manipulate you in a way to uh, get an outcome that they want, get paraphernalia brought into the prison, 
uh, yeah, put the other corrections officers in danger, put other inmates in danger because they kind of, he had a grasp, he had a pull on her, not saying that she, she needs to be held accountable for what she did in this instance, but he was able to manipulate her and was able to kind of use that relationship to get what he want, uh, wanted. So now moving on, uh, the, the coworker also said she has no remorse for the situation. She continually calls and has sexually explicit conversations with the MA in question and boast about the crime she carried out. Uh, he told the court. So, wow, this is a very strange, very strange story. Very attractive 26 year old, like Latina lady. And she's, um, tarnished her reputation for, uh, the foreseeable future, no doubt with this incident. So, Gonzalez, Gonzalez pleaded no contest in April to sexual activity by a detention facility employee with a consenting inmate, as well as possessing drugs or alcohol and a cell phone to give to an inmate. The outlet said, wow. So uh, her former boss was calling for the maximum sentence of three years and eight months in prison. Uh, but uh, the judge in the case, Judge Michael Idiart, noted her early plea and lack of criminal history uh, was the reason why she was sentenced this past Tuesday to seven months in the county jail, followed by two years of probation. So the judge went on to say that I think what uh, you did was terrible, stupid, and you have ruined your career. So uh, the judge also went on to say that I also believe that people can redeem themselves and you have the rest of your life to do that. Good luck. Wow. So uh, I, I found that story to be wild because in today's day and age, uh, with all of the um, ability to speak with people, social media, dating apps, uh, online uh, dating, uh, why would someone have to do that? Especially in your work environment. My, my thought press behind it, thought process behind it was like, obviously there was something else going on with this lady and she was reaching out for uh, validation and attention um, with that situation. And yeah, hopefully she can turn her life around and learn from that situation. Um, but yeah, when you guys, if you already looked and saw the article, very attractive lady no reason for her to be doing anything like that, but who am I, you know? So, uh, yes. Uh, so that's that segment. And then we're going to move on to, uh, the next topic here shortly after that. I usually keep these shows around 45 minutes for those of you who are new. Um, and I'm going to give you a little interlude here and then we are kind of come right back. <laughs> All right, we're back. We're back. All right. So um, if this is your first time listening to the Carrot Juice podcast, we have a recurring segment around here. And uh, in the segment, what I think about and like what I want this to eventually be. 
I'm eventually going to share this podcast with um, kids, with my kids when I have them. I don't have kids currently, but I always wanted to write a book. And this is kind of my um, way of doing that and of uh, kind of journaling my life week to week and what I think about various topics. So uh, every week we have a segment I call Things I Wish I Knew When I Was 17. So this week in Things I Wish I Knew When I Was 17 is do not waste your time trying to impress people, trying to get validation, and trying to get fame. Because first of all, if you do that, you'll spend that time, which is your greatest asset, the most uh, valuable thing on this earth is your time. And I feel like I know I know that far too often so many people spend so much time in their life chasing things and trying to get validation from people who do not care about you, who do not have your best interests in mind. So what I would say is instead you should focus on learning. You should focus on doing the things that you want to do that you like and you should embrace your weird quirks and different um, uh, passions. And while doing so, make sure that you're around people, that you're associating with people and you're around people who are developing themselves and in a position that you want to be in in the future. Don't associate and spend a lot of time around people who are not where you want to be. As a young person, you should be seeking out the people who are more successful than you, that are smarter than you, that have more life experience than you. And don't be afraid to ask questions and to get mentorship. Because I, I know that far too often as a young person, we are looking up to and being influenced by people who are not worthy of that adoration. Uh, when I was growing up here in uh, Michigan, I grew up in Grand Rapids in the inner city. Uh, there were so many people that were looking up to people who didn't have uh, anything going on uh, legally. Let's say that they were looking up to drug dealers. Okay. Uh, they also were aspiring rappers. Uh, they all were saying that they wanted to be in the NFL or the NBA and there's nothing wrong with wanting to be a rapper or in the NFL or NBA, but however, there's a minute, fine amount of people that can do that. So if that's your only outlet or your only option you feel, you are missing out on a lot of other opportunities. So what I would say, and the advice that I would give you, I would say, uh, instead, I would encourage you to... If say you want to be a rapper or artist, or you're into music, take a full broader look at the entertainment industry. Consider that maybe if you're not the talent as a performer or you don't have that uh, voice or you don't have that delivery to be a rapper, to be the main artist, maybe you should think about being an executive. What does it uh, mean to be an A&R for a company or a label? What does it mean to work on the production side? to become a videographer or photographer or someone who is involved in directing 
uh, maybe that would more suit your skill set. So I would say don't pigeon, pigeonhole yourself into a box and say, hey, I only want to be a rapper or I only want to be an artist or I only want to be uh, an NBA player or NFL player. There's so many other things that are going on in those industries that don't involve being the actual talent. You could be behind the scenes and have an impact. You just got to figure out what your gifts are and what what's going to suit you best and what you're good at. Uh, uh, an example of that is uh, Dr. Dre. So Dr. Dre, yes, he's rapped in some tracks, but no one would ever consider him an MC. You know, Dr. Dre, his bread and butter has been and will always be rooted in his ability to produce beats. And that's his niche niche and his lane. And he's tailored a legendary uh, career uh, sound. Uh, everybody knows Dre beats. Everybody wants to have Dre beats even to this day. So, uh, there's a way to carve out a lane that's going to best suit you. And my advice to you, young person is don't face, uh, don't chase fame and validation. Instead, figure out what you're good at, get around people who are willing to mentor you who are more successful than you, smarter than you and are doing positive things in the world. And lastly, go after those passions that you have and don't worry about what other people are saying. If you do that and you focus on getting better each and every day, you will get to and above your goals each and every time. And before we go on to the last segment of the day. We have a brief message from the sponsor. And while that is going, cause I'm going to clip that in my episode, I'm going to give you one more interlude song and then we're going to wrap up the show. Thank you everybody out there for listening, wherever you are listening. And since we were just talking about it, why don't we go here? Yes. Yes. So we are going to wrap up the show with the last topic here. Um, this article comes courtesy of the media takeout news. Okay. So this article was posted on July 4th and it is entitled Iggy Azalea gets her skin chemically darkened. So if you guys don't know who Iggy Azalea is, she had a, uh, really a uh, big rise. What was that? Like maybe eh, four or five years ago. I'll play a little clip of something that she has. Um, she's, she's got a couple of hits. She's known for her uh, very voluptuous figure. Um, I believe she's Australian, uh, but I'll play this little bit snippet of her track from back in the day. So I, I guess you, you guys remember that. That was a that was a slight little bop she had, slight little banger. So the article goes on to say that Iggy Azalea was recently called out for black fishing as or changing her skin color in her new music video. So media takeout news learned that 
the skin color changes may be permanent. So uh, the name of the new video that she has, it's called I Am The Strip Club. And I just dropped the link to that in the, um, the chat box down below, but I also will be dropping it in the show notes. And people were quick to call out uh, Iggy for what some are calling blackface. Others are calling it black fishing because her skin was noticeably different and much darker in the video. Yes, it is very dark compared to what uh, she usually looks like uh, for sure. So um, the article goes on to say that what she's using is pills. She's using darkening pills, which are popular in Japan and they're they use a food coloring additive called, let me get this right, called Canthax, I can't, I can't say that, Canthaxanthin. All right, I'm not a medical professional, so bear with me. So it goes on to say that when you ingest this color additive, it purpose, purportedly releases pigment changing compounds in your skin and long-term use will make your skin turn darker. Wow, who knew? Are you serious? Uh, I don't know if you guys know, uh, my Instagram is linked <laughs> into in this uh, in this here, or if you already see me on social media or whatever, I am very dark, so I don't have to worry about this. But uh, the article goes on to say, still not all tanning methods are created equal. While actual tanning in the sun causes melanin in your skin to darken, Tanning pills work from the inside out, releasing the color additives throughout your skin. The result ends up looking more orange compared to the coveted bronze tint many tanning hopefuls look for. So tanning pills, however, can change the color of extremely fair skinned people who are unable to darken themselves naturally. Who knew? Wow. And she's a very attractive girl as well. If you look at the article. So she's look, she is Caucasian, of course. And um, in this, after this procedure, she, she does look Latina. She really does. Wow. So. Yeah. And if you see the article way down below, yeah, she definitely was. Caucasian, fair skinned before. So either way, she looks she looks pretty in both. I just don't understand why somebody would want to change their appearance that way. Uh, what's the point at the end of the day? I mean, be comfortable with who you are. There are beautiful people that are really dark, that are light, that are fair skinned, um, you know, very pale. I mean, to in 2021, I don't see it as a problem either way that you go. So it's something I'm starting to notice and sense in the entertainment industry. A lot of the people, especially the women, are very insecure about their looks. And I've talked about this before. I've, I think that it has a lot to do with the uh, the rise of the Kardashians and their influence over the culture because they were the first people that hit the mainstream 
that had been open and like very blatantly flaunting their um, cosmetic procedures, all of these lip kits and makeup kits to make to contour their face and to make their lips look different. And pretty much their standards have like pervaded the entire society for women to a, to a way where they're a lot of young women coming up. They're not comfortable with the way that they look. And I am the type of person that I'm always uh, telling people. Yes, uh, I agree. Beza. Uh, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, I agree. The expectations I feel though, I mean, I know they're not coming from the men. However, those expectations have been set and are continuing to be um, brought forth by women where women are almost competing with one another in these, what, beauty Olympics, you can say. And at the end of the day, the people who hurt the most are the women because there are women that are going to get these wild procedures. Iggy Azalea is... Um, putting more melanin into her skin. And uh, there was an article that I read in a past podcast and that we went over in a past podcast having to do with the BBL surgeries, the, the Brazilian butt lift surgeries and how those are the most dangerous procedures, cosmetic procedures that someone can have, but it's starting to become uh, mainstream almost and how many women are going to get these procedures and what I don't want to happen is I don't want young women to be influenced by this culture because at the end of the day uh, a woman who is uh, natural who takes care of herself is still very attractive and sought after and me as a guy I don't need all of the if you have it I'm not going to knock you for it but I don't need that to consider you attractive. I don't need the lip kits. I don't need the, um, all of the fake surgeries and stuff. Uh, I do like people that are athletic cause I'm athletic. I like to work out and fitness and you could just have, you could just head to the gym and do a couple of jumping jacks and run around and try to eat healthy and be fit. And I promise you, there will be plenty of men who will find you attractive. Uh, and the society with these beauty standards has really went out of control uh, most recently. And a lot of that has to do with the Kardashians and their influence. Uh, but it's not all their fault. I think it's a lot of uh, women competing with one another. And that's what's caused uh, so much of this to become mainstream in our society. So that's been another episode of carrot juice. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, I'm going to say it again. If you're listening to this on YouTube, please like share, subscribe the vid to the video. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast already subscribe, I am anywhere you listen to podcasts. These podcasts get, get released every Tuesday. Excuse me. They get released every Tuesday and uh, I'm trying out this green room platform. I'm kind of liking it so far. I am going to do some more things, testing this out, having like open discussions and things like that. Uh, I might be on here for a little while longer after the podcast and I'll play some music for people. Uh, but yes, thank you so much for uh, listening. And we are going to um, play the outro and then I might play some music for a little while while I'm getting things situated. So thanks again for listening. 
And um, like I say every time, love someone, hug someone, do something good for somebody, not expecting anything in return. And I will speak to you guys next week. Be well.